glad you're you're here with us today. Appreciate you. Uh, you're, you're taking some valuable time to to uh, be on with us today. So I'm gonna I'll do a lead in here, and then we'll we'll get started. Okay. Okay. Okay, Ronnie. All right. Well, good morning, and we want to welcome you to the L252 podcast. This is sponsored by the Arkansas Assemblies of God. I'm the host, Ronnie Morris, the district superintendent. It is uh, indeed a great pleasure today to have as my special guest, the Assistant General Superintendent, uh, Brother Rick DeBose. Brother Rick, great to have you on today. It's good to be here, Ronnie. God bless you, and thanks for allowing me this opportunity. Yes, sir. Um, we're, what we're trying to do uh, for our ministers um, and uh, just listeners in general is just, uh, you know, give them some added value. Uh, and, and especially uh, since we're easing up here on our uh, on our district council and will be my first one as the district superintendent and your uh, role in speaking on ordination night on Tuesday night, just, just wanted to have you on and, and allow our ministers to maybe get to know you better. Uh, I'm grateful that I get to spend uh, more time with you now and uh, especially get to hear you, you preach. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, we're doing um, in, in our district is um I really believe the Lord has directed me to talk about um, about ministers' health and uh, thriving churches. Um, and, and I know this is this is really becoming very important, also to the general council. Could you just talk to us today a little bit about your role as the assistant general superintendent, and um, maybe how the how that fits in with church, church and minister's health? That's a great question. Yeah, let's start with uh, let's start with just being in the ministry, whether you're in the national office or a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter where you are. Your personal health has an impact on those you connect with. And so the health of the church, we want to take it all the way back to the pastor. And then the health of the district, we take it all the way back to superintendent and executive leadership. And then the health of the nation, we really take responsibility first and foremost to be healthy ourselves. We feel like if we're not healthy, then our ministry won't produce the necessary things for those in our under our influence to be healthy also. So we make we make our life a priority to us and to God. That's, that's kind of how we do it. And we think that example is the right example as we move out to the local church. That, that pastor, it's kind of like that airplane ride when she says, if we have a problem and the mask fall down, put your mask on before you help those around you. And there's something about that that uh, that's where our health begins. So, I focus in my in my leadership right here with this team that I work with, the ministries, all the ministries that are under my direction, all the publishing that's under my direction, the prayer center that comes out under my responsibility, making sure that those guys are personally healthy and making sure that I'm the healthy leader that I need to be first. 
privately and then publicly. That's that's how we that's how we do it here. And then we roll it out, obviously, uh, to next levels. But getting healthy. So uh, when we first came here, um, I, I was getting connected to the publishing part, and I was over that part first and over finance and just getting to know people and just doing evaluations over how are the people and and are they healthy. So when you got when we begin to get the people healthier, the whole organization begin to get healthier. And I think at the local church, that's so important that we don't just try to bring in a structure that creates health because a structure never causes health. Health is something you have or you don't have. Structure allows you to protect it, to maintain it, and to multiply it. But it is not in itself health. Health has to be something that it either is or isn't, and it comes out of a personal relationship with God and your personal walk with God. So I think we take everything back to that personal encounter and that personal walk. In a nutshell, that's the big piece. Mm. Yes. You know, the the L-252 concept that we're, uh, we're using as – uh, the theme of our podcast is the Luke 252 uh, model that Jesus gave us uh, spiritually, spiritual growth, physical growth, relational growth and mental growth. And, you know, when I look at your responsibilities and what how you're leading this fellowship, uh, you know, I, I see it in a very spiritual way because of, of your portfolio and and two of those things that that we're seeing is your emphasis on uh, on the Bible and your your emphasis on on prayer could you uh, tell us uh, I think it's uh, something to be great for our listeners to know is the prayer center uh, yeah. t- tell us a little bit about what's going on there well it's, I'm very excited about it Um there's so much to talk about. First of all, that whole initiative came out of an experience that God gave me over 30 years ago, where during my prayer time, he allowed me to envision um, what the throne room was in heaven and how it functioned. And it, it would take too much of this podcast for me to share all of that. But but in a nutshell, the prayers of the saints, our prayers, when, when the writer of Hebrews said, Go boldly into the throne of grace. There's somehow that our personal altars and our church altars connect us with the spiritual reality of the throne in heaven. And the the way that we interact in the spiritual realm, which, which affects the heavens, and heavens then affect the earth. And that connection piece. So 30 plus years ago, God showed me that and how it worked and how it functioned. And I'll share that more at another time when, when there's time to really yeah. do that correctly. But but it so affected me that it changed how I prayed. It changed my morning prayer time alone with God. It changed my prayer closet time. And then it began to change how I led prayer meetings at our church and how we designed prayer even in our staff. It shifted it. And it was a dynamic shift that mattered. And that shift, because we prayed differently, begin to have a greater impact. Our prayer begin to be more effective. We begin to see a greater result from our prayer time. And and that dynamic, I, I shared it with those I led, but I, I never really felt led to uh, share it nationwide. And then about a year and a half ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, what I showed you, uh, I need you to do now uh, for the national for the national ministry of the Assemblies of God. 
when I shared it with the ELT, they were like, wow, Doug said, let's get this done. And so the building that used to be the Ready Life Bookstore building between uh, Central Church and the headquarters building was empty. It had just been vacated. And so Doug immediately said, take that building, do what you need to do. So we went in and now we've uh, created one of the things I saw in, in that encounter was that that sea of glass that John speaks of in Revelation. It sets before the throne, and it is encircled by the 24 thrones. It's a circle. It's the big sea of glass. When I looked into the sea of glass, the thing that I had never picked up in Scripture, I just didn't get it, was that the entire earth was visible before God. He could sit on his throne and look out through that sea of glass and see everything. And Jesus, in my, my moment there, was walking on that sea of glass and interceding. And as he was interceding, he'd stand over parts of the earth and places, and those places would just be magnified under him. You could see all the way to individuals and people, and it became very dynamic, very connected in his prayer. And he stood among them while he prayed to the Father, but he never left He never left heaven. He, it was Heaven and earth were so combined as one in that throne room. It, it was so impactful. And then I noticed that when people were praying in a league with him, in agreement with him, and then he was carrying our prayers forward, to the throne it was the dynamic of heaven the the activity of the angels so many things were happening it was shifting god said i want that i want that and then he took me over to and reminded me that when jesus came down off mount transfiguration they found the little guy that was demon possessed and the the other disciples had tried to cast him out but unsuccessfully and jesus cast him out well they're, they're indoors later and they asked jesus why couldn't we do it you gave us power and authority over demons we've been casting demons out everywhere why couldn't we cast this one out? Jesus then said, this kind, and he, so he actually establishes there's a different level or authority or demonic kind that takes a little different level of prayer. Only comes out by prayer. That word prayer there means a place of prayer, not just a public prayer or public de- declaration or even a public request, but it's somebody that has maintained an altar of prayer, kept the fire burning, kept it hot, constantly in prayer. It's a prayer group where people gather and they pray and they pray. He said, this kind only comes out by that kind of prayer. And so the Lord said, I'm, I'm putting all this together for you because what's happening in America today is not going to be fixed by better preaching. It's not going to be fixed by greater intelligence, by different structure. This kind only comes out by prayer, a place of prayer. And when he got a hold of me with that, I knew I knew what I had to do. And the, all the ELT immediately, let's get this done. So we went to work developing it. Well, here's the uniqueness. We're putting right now we have a huge map on the floor, the whole world, and we can walk with Jesus all over the world. And it's it's set up. It's already functioning. We're, I just did it this morning. I, I mean, an hour ago, that's where we were with a group praying around the world. But but the other thing we're doing and uh, we're, we're in the process of raising all the funds to pay for it is a, a 30 foot by 20 foot huge floor. That's actually it. We're we're borrowing technology from a dance floor, <laughs> but the da- <laughs> but the floor is connected to Google Earth, so that you can do what Jesus did. You can bring up any little town in the world. You can bring up any little street. We can bring up Ukraine right now and go walk around the streets. You can bring up Washington D.C. and walk around the city and bring up the White House and just 
create a siege around that thing and begin to pray. And literally, it's a it's not literal. That's too much. But it's a it's a good physical expression of what God does in heaven. And the Lord really directed me. I want that. And I want that hot. I want it kept hot. And I want to continue to pray. So as of this morning, we've hired Joe Odom, who uh, one of our evangelists travels all over the country and God uses him in mighty ways. We've asked him to be the director of the prayer on a daily basis. He's moved to town and he actually starts today. And uh, that prayer center, uh, I can't wait till till we're coming from all over the world. But part of the goal of that is not just that we're praying here, but we want to then take that and plant it in churches and districts all over the nation, that concept and that process. We want to take prayer to the next level because the kind we're dealing with today will only come out by prayer. So there, there's my, you heard my passion in that. I, I, I really believe in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I get excited when you, as, as you talk about that and, you know, that's powerful that, uh, that uh, when prayer is used in that particular uh, portion of scripture, it, it is a place and, you know, and, and I remember uh, reading Matthew 11 priest about it this past weekend that, uh, one of the places Jesus, well, the first place Jesus went was to the temple. He went to that place and he declared there, uh, my house shall be. Come on. Uh, uh, so that, that, that place in the secret place of the most high. Um, yeah. So, uh, so there, but there's another uh, very important part of, uh, of your oversight as well. And, right. And that, and especially as we deal with spiritual health, because really that's that's where it all begins in the spirit, man. Yes. Uh, and then then it's got to flow up to, uh, as I call it, the gray matter between our ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, it's it's not going to get there uh, by just more study. It's it's going to get there by the spiritual life. And that's what I appreciate about you is that you, you know you're you're a great preacher, but you're very sensitive to the to the Holy Spirit and a man of the word, uh, such such revelation. Tell us about, and I know all these are big subjects and we could take every one of them, you know, individually and we, we will eventually. Yeah, there you go. But uh, Bible, Bible engagement. Okay. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I tell you that, that came alive to me when uh, I'm studying Jonah and Jonah has the greatest revival recorded in the, in the Bible. An entire city, 120,000 people repent of their sins. We would all love to lead that revival. Wow. A neat moment. Then he goes up on the hillside. And he was he was not a he didn't have a good heart. He never did. We know that about him. His attitude wasn't right. He did. But he gets up on the hillside after it's over. Those folks had all repented. And then him and God have this discussion and and God gives him shade, rewards him for his obedience but he won't get up and go back when he should. So God eats his shade and then he complains about it, but doesn't respond. And God said, is it right for you to be concerned about the shade and me not to be concerned about 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left? And that's the end of the story. It's wow. And God spoke to me and he said, you keep praying for a revival. I want to send that revival. I want to give you a great harvest. But if you study Nineveh, one generation after that great act of repentance, they were in more sin than they were then. And judgment still had to come to Nineveh, and he mm-hmm. still had to destroy it. Yeah. He said, if you're not ready to disciple the, the, the harvest from the revival, why should I even send a revival? And then, wow, 
If yeah. we don't know how to hook, hook these people up with the Bible and the Word of God, that was a, a mighty motivator for me. And so we did. We went to work hard to figure out. Well, I, another thing I said to our team was when uh, when when Nehemiah was brought into Jerusalem, it had been left in ruins for decades. And in 52 days, he did what they hadn't been able to do in decades because he had a divine plan. I want a divine plan that can turn this lack of biblical knowledge and lack of commitment to Bible in a short order. So we developed a three-year process, a three-year plan that if a church goes through it in three years, everybody in their church can become biblically literate. They'll have a right view. There's three levels. Level one is a listen level. Learn to listen to the word of God. Don't just read it. Learn to hear the voice of God as you read it. Listen to the whole story of God and man and lay a foundation to learn from. That's all in 40 weeks. The second part, the second 40 weeks, which we we recommend the second year, the second 40 weeks is learn. You've got to learn what the Bible says. What does he say about marriage? What does he say about spirit life? What does he say? And you're learning the scriptures. It's incredible. It's deep. All of our 16 fundamentals are blended in those so that by the time you get through with that, you've learned about evangelism, about being spirit filled, about your, it's a good learning thing. And then the third level is live. How do we live it out? And we really focus on the New Testament and a lot on the teachings of Jesus when we move into that third level. In those three levels, a person will have the grasp of scripture how to live it out, and a biblical worldview by the time it's over. And then, of course, we deliver it digitally so that we can put it right on the phone of everybody in the church, and they can all participate. And then we have the support videos and all the technical stuff, and and, and we brought in this scope and sequence process where the whole family is going on the same journey. That's why you do it as a church, because you're doing it in children's church, you're doing it in small mm-hmm. group, you're doing it in, in youth group, you're doing it in your personal Bible study at home, your family devotions, your personal devotions. We give it all to you. It's more than you can do. But if everybody's on the same journey, and there's even a number of our churches, the pastor's even preaching, designing his sermon around the that process. There's so much. He could pull some out just for him. And then in the small group discussions, well, churches have been on it for over a year now. Their their notes coming to me are incredible. They said our church is already transformed. They've already stopped aligning their thoughts with the bit with the worldview and started aligning with biblical worldview. They already have enough Bible to learn and grow and develop. They're now connected to the Bible. They're engaged with the Bible. I'm hearing I mean it's working. That's the key, is it works. It's working really well. Well, we didn't have that tool. Now we have it. And I think it's part of the preparation for the revival that's coming. We'll be well prepared to disciple the the next harvest that God's going to bring in. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what Bible engagement is. Don't you think that, um, you know, I I think you've you've said it well in in your reference to to Jonah that um, because we don't want pastor revival, uh, and two, we are not uh, discipling these that are products of revival, if you please. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why we're not not seeing the revival. I, I think you're think you're right, Ronnie. I I remember a pastor sharing with me that he was praying about God giving him some more space to grow his church, and God says, "Yeah, that's a real need." But I have some needs too. Could we talk about mine? <laughs> uh, I need churches in four other towns 
what if you help me with those and I'll help you with yours? Mm-hmm. And I, I think we go to pray for revival and God said, boy, that's right. And I agree with it. Mm-hmm. However, however, when revival's over, uh, mm-hmm. are we just going to need another one? Or are we going to find a way to sustain? You know, there's that passage when the fire fell in, in, in for Moses at the tabernacle. He had made it clear before it fell. I want you to put a structure in place that won't let the fire go out. I want you to have a priesthood that knows how to remove the ashes and add new wood and offer a daily sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. But once I give you this fire, don't let it go out. That's mm. your responsibility. And mm. we keep we keep praying for new revivals because we let the last one go out. I, I think preparing a solid discipleship, a generational pride. You know what? Our next gen stuff. Our little our little statement around here has been every generation has a next generation. Mm. Every generation has. What are you going to do with them? That's the question. And we've got to focus on that next generation. I love I preached this too some, but just recently. But uh, Noah preached to his generation, but he built a structure for the next generation. Mm. And we and we've got to focus on a structure for those that are getting saved after us, being born into the church after us, being brought in. We need to constantly focus on who's next. And just getting them in the altar is not enough. That's the beginning, not the end. And uh, so, yeah, that's you're right. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, you know, this, this, this next-gen stuff is uh, a part of what I'll be preaching on the Monday night Um Paul to a Timothy and and we'll just there'll be several aspects in that that we'll talk about not just passing the baton but both of us grabbing the baton and running together um, you know I, I, I love uh, uh, the Elisha uh, Elijah to Elisha mm-hmm. but Elijah's much like my generation um, you know get it the best way you can, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. observe and, and, and get it. If, if you follow along, then, then fine and dandy. But, but, but I love, uh, I love Elisha's approach. Uh, and he was more productive uh, as, as we look at the floating ax head story. And mm-hmm. they said, come on, Elisha, let's go down here and, and let's, let's build a new place. Can't or get permission from him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we give them permission, but, but that generation also saying, yeah, we want to go, but would you go with us? And I think that's the way we've got to go. And and, and that's a part of relational health. Um, because I think that my generation, you know, we say, well, they're bless God, this next generation uh, there. I don't even know if they can find themselves out of the weeds or not. Yeah. Um, but but if we believe the Bible, uh, <laughs> we've got some good things in, in the future, but we've got a responsibility, too. Amen. Um, Amen. I agree with that. Well, uh, the other thing that I believe is uh, that I want to commend you and the ELT on is, um, is there relational quality? Uh, I think sometimes, and and you know this, and I know this even in my own position now, is, is, you know, one step removed from, from the pastorate, um, you know, and then how to how to get the vision down to uh, the next level. Uh, the one thing I see that you guys are doing is you're not just talking about something and then leaving it. Oh, well, I got this great idea. Boom, I'm gone. 
uh, boy, you guys are following through and, and helping us uh, connect. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think just to back up a little bit, I think the first thing I see is when I was a pastor, I, I love pastoring, by the way. I, that's still the most rewarding ministry I've ever had was pastoral. It was also the most difficult. Um, there were difficulties in being a district superintendent, and there were many rewards. But there's pastoring can be so rewarding and so difficult. Mm. It's just nothing like being a pastor. That's so unique. It's so hard. It's so special. And I tell, I want to tell our guys, as hard as it is, there's so much good in it. Don't let the hard distract you from the blessing that comes from being a pastor mm. and being that close. But here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that uh, when a limb produces fruit, uh, a lot of fruit, then when uh, when the fruit's over and the leaves fall off and you get into the season of fall and you're moving toward the winter, God will come out with his bow saw and prune that limb. And when he comes back in the next season of spring, it won't bear fruit again. It'll never bear fruit again. Its function shifts. And now it holds up limbs. Limbs will grow out of that prune prune place. Sometimes three or four, even five or six limbs can come out of that one knob that was a limb on its own. And it never bears fruit of itself, but it bears the limbs that bear the fruit. Its function shifts. It goes from being close to the fruit to supporting the limbs that are close to the fruit. That's how I viewed the transition when I left uh, pastoring and God sent us into district work. And I realized that there's some things that, that I have to do differently. It's the same God. It's the same life. It's the same spirit. It's the same Bible. I'm pouring out the same passion, but I'm pouring it into leaders now who are going to reproduce it somewhere else. They will bear the fruit. The first struggle with that was that I miss being close to the fruit. I miss watching lives transformed up close. I miss all that was out there. But my job is not that anymore. It's now supporting those who can do that better than me if I support them correctly. So that's a shift that took place. And I noticed this when I went from pastoral ministry to district ministry, that the ideas that God would give me, the direction he would give me, the things that would be mine to do for the sake of others, when I would do them, it would be two to three years before there would be true fruit produced by what I was doing. That in the church, I could start something in a year from now, I could see a result. In the district, I could start something. Oh, there were quick wins I could get, but the real results were years away. Mm. Now, in this national office, we're doing things that maybe, probably, possibly won't bear fruit while I'm still in this office. It may bear fruit beyond and after I've already gone. I've already fulfilled my role. I'm not a young guy, so I'm not going to be here forever. But if I do the right things, generations after me. So it's a, it's a shift in how you see it and how you flow when you go from one to the other. Now I'm building, my whole focus is the next generation. Mm-hmm. I am Noah preaching to this group, but I'm really building for the group that'll be here after I'm gone. And when leaders don't do that, when they keep trying to bear fruit in their own generation and around themselves that they can hold on to, they limit their potential for the kingdom. That's, that's a shift that has to take place for us as we go from to different levels of ministry and different responsibilities. So for me here, uh, it's very different. Um, I, I miss the local church and that interaction. I already admitted to that. I love that. Uh, now, much of what I do 
uh, is creating systems and structure and building a prayer center and pulling together the right leaders. And it's always working through others. I get to do some writing. Uh, we're, I've got a couple of more books we're working on that I think will help the kingdom. I hope they will. Uh, I get to do some of that. I get to preach. I get to go out and preach. So I have that. Without that, I'd just blow up probably. <laughs> but but it's a it's a real shift. You're you're going through that shift right now. Yes, sir. Uh, from the pastor to where you are, you're experiencing that moment of it's it's partly frustration. It's partly excitement. Um, and now you can't just get up in a pulpit every week and lead the people you're called to lead. You create a, you have a podcast, you have some other things, but you don't have enough people that tune into them to have the influence that you had mm-hmm. as a pastor. You're going through that shift and it takes longer, but it's, but kingdom wide, it's much more influence. It has a greater impact and God put you here because he loved the fruit you bore. And he wants that same fruit all over the district. And so he makes that shift. And you're 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 in the middle of that. You're well, you're the right guy. And you're very capable. But you're in that transition and change of function mm-hmm. right now. And I know you are. Um, I don't know why I said all that, but it just kind of come out. So, well, no, uh, I, I certainly <laughs> appreciate it. And I, I think it, you know, that, that, you know, we we we're we're human as well. You know, we. We have needs. We we fight battles. Uh, I think you've really touched on some really key components, not only personally, but but also I think how general councils and districts function and so forth. But you know, um, let me let me just. Uh, I, I know we're we're just about out of time here, but. Um, Family. Uh, I know you have two daughters, a son, uh, and and the greatest thing, eight grandsons. Amen. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, uh, can you tell me a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Love it. You know, first of all, all three of my children are are senior pastors or lead pastors at their churches. Um, my daughters married good men, and my son married a good woman. They're all called of God. It's a great story. They started a church together. Jason and Renee, our oldest daughter, they started a church. Ryan uh, was the worship leader, and Rachel was the children's pastor. So they all worked together while we were still superintendents. And they gave birth to a church in Midlothian and uh, Texas there, and, and God blessed it. And then eventually Rachel would marry, and her and her husband would ultimately end up pastoring up in Lake Dallas. And then my son became executive pastor and youth pastor. And he stayed with them a pretty long time, but finally he felt led too. And so now he pastors in the Dallas area. So all three of our children are in the ministry and they're really close and they're producing these kids. My oldest grandson is a, um, is a now a student. He's an RA at Southwestern. And uh, we're we're watching them all grow up. Many of them already feel the call of God. So I am one wow. blessed man. I am one blessed man. Well, yeah. mm. that's my story. I like well, it. <laughs> and that's a that's a that's a great thing. It does I know does your heart good, and I know how my grandkids bring great joy into my life as well. Well, Pastor, I appreciate uh, your time. Uh, we are really looking forward to our district council coming up. Uh, you will be 
uh, preaching for us, the ordination service you can yes. expect. Yeah, we will. Uh, I'm excited about the message because it's aligned with your message. I'm going to be preaching on the anointing that was passed from Elijah to Elisha. Come on. And what mm. it, what Elisha had to do to prepare to receive it. And then uh, the importance of picking it up once he drops it on the ground. Mm. So I'll, I'll be, boy, I'll just, I'll just pick up where you leave off. It sounds like <laughs> we're just going to, we're going to team preach. Yeah, that's going to be great. Well, you're a great preacher and, and you're a great individual and, and so thankful for, your leadership excited about uh, times we'll get to, we'll get to uh, be together. Um, Well, thank you uh, for being, being on the podcast with us today. I I know our, our ministers are going to really enjoy uh, hearing from you and just hearing your heart and, and just the solid biblical preacher that, that you are. Uh, blessings on you and your family. Thanks for spending this time with us. Thank you, Ronnie. It was an honor. God bless everybody in Arkansas. See you shortly. All right, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.